Hello there, I'm Gaia. And I'm Connell. And this is the Monochrome Picture Show. We met during the pandemic, when we were both studying cinema in the Netherlands. Now, three years later, I'm doing my PhD in cinema, and Connell is writing fiction and film criticism for Fanfare and Frame Rated. We figured we talk about movies all the time anyway, so why not share it with others? Join us each week as we talk about one movie per episode. As Connell publishes his reviews and essays, we dive into each of them in an interview format. If you like what we do and would like to check out more of our work, older episodes and reviews, go to themonochromepictureshow.com or find us on Instagram at themonopic. If you haven't seen the movies yet, beware, each episode contains spoilers. Alright, so in this episode we talk about Night Swim, for many reasons, which will be covered in a moment. <laughs> But before we dive into it, we will give you a short summary of the movie. In 2024's first horror film, the Waller family faces a sinister entity. Ray Waller, an ex-baseball player forced to retire due to declining health, moves with his wife Eve and their two children, Izzy and Elliot, to a charming, affordable suburban house. A large swimming pool seems perfect for Ray's water therapy, though it soon becomes clear that there is something supernaturally malign in the waters. <laughs> okay, let's begin this conversation mm. with the reasons why we decided to make this into a podcast episode. Like, why we, did we decide to make it about Night Swim? Mm. Well, I suppose it was quite striking how 10 years removed from the Babadook... Mm-hmm. Which is our last episode, for the people yeah. who don't know. Yeah, so um, <laughs> 10 years removed from Babadook's release, Night Swim comes out. It was interesting to me because it seems like it doesn't continue along the trend mm-hmm. of reinvigorated horror, like this new generation of horror, mm-hmm. which I talk about in our last episode yep. in relation to the Babadook. And yeah, it was just interesting because if anything felt more like it was a horror film that had come out from the 2000s yeah. it felt like it was more in line with the that ilk as opposed to some of the more recent trailblazers of the horror genre like Ari Aster, Robert mm-hmm. Eggers, Jennifer Kent, who, uh, filmmakers who seem to demonstrate a really good understanding of symbolism and theme as well as weaving it into the story and character to create compelling frights. And unfortunately, in Bryce Maguire's first film, he doesn't seem to hit all of the marks quite so well. Yeah, I agree. We watched it recently, just yeah, last week. Within the last week, yeah. There's a lot to say about it. Mm. But let's begin on a positive note. Let's yeah. talk about the things that actually work in yeah. the film. Because there were moments that did work. Mm-hmm. They just, I suppose, weren't... There just weren't enough of them, I think, uh-huh. to make it good overall. I said kept to keep it on a positive note. Yeah, no, okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, okay, so starting with the positive stuff. Yeah. You mentioned that Night Swim 
distances itself from the current of the new duration, generation of ours. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are still some themes or some aspects of Night Swim that could still be related to this current of movies? Perhaps. I, I, I think that a lot of the shot composition mm-hmm. seems quite similar to some of the films of Ari Aster, mm-hmm. though I also think it lacks some originality. Mm-hmm. After a certain point in time, it relies very heavily on close-up shots, which feel a bit repetitive, and also as though you know they're kind of abandoning the opportunity to do something more creatively horrifying. Yeah. Uh, I think that there are occasions where they could have used a wider shot. For example, Mike Flanagan's stuff, he actually does the exact opposite. He uses very, very wide shots so that he can play around with horrifying stuff in the background, Mm -hmm. which, after a certain point of time, also becomes repetitive and a bit predictable. Anything done too much becomes repetitive. I don't think that it distancing itself itself from this new generation of horror films is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Quite the opposite, actually, Mm -hmm. because I feel like horror films from, from the 2010s onwards be doing a really good job of progressing the genre into something more dynamic and introspective whereas Night Swim does distance itself from these films but only because it abandons this sense of introspection Mm -hmm. and thematic resonance Mm, symbolism yeah it it seems to toy with these ideas early on Mm -hmm. but then they don't progress. Neglects them. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't really fulfill the promise that it gives to the viewer at yeah. early on. I agree. I think it uses also archetypes in a very shallow way. Mm. Like the dad and the mom. Okay. Uh, how, how do you mean? We can talk about this later on if you want. But for example, the monologue that the mom... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, ca- it, it comes out as really, really out of place. Yeah, that was really bizarre. Yeah, and the father wanting to be more present but not being able to connect to the child, but that is never developed upon, if not through plot points, which is not the same thing. The film does do certain things well. Mm -hmm. What are those things? Yeah, I suppose (laughs) we should should start off positively. Mm -hmm. I think it does deliver some very good frights, and you can find that in the camera work. So, for example... The mother, Eve, who's played very well by Carrie Condon, despite the fact that she has to work with quite weak material, mm-hmm. I think, on a, on a number of occasions, mm-hmm. particularly the monologue that you're yeah. r- referring it's not, to. It's not her fault. It's not. It's she's really a not. wonderful actress. She is. She's mm-hmm. very good. In, in the scene when she's swimming in the pool, mm-hmm. there's quite a good jump scare where the camera works very good. It shows her swimming. Yeah. And the jump scare is good, but... It's also predictable. Yes. You do know what's going to happen and you can more or less gauge when and what is... Well, maybe not what's going to be there, but mm. you, you can guess what's going to happen and that is ultimately one of the biggest downfalls of the film is that it relies quite heavily on these predictable scares mm. that become a bit tedious. For as much as I agree with you that the movie was overall predictable... One thing must also be said, which is that you are very skilled at predicting jump scares. Uh, so that can be very subjective because, for example, me watching right. it next to you, I got much more frightened than you have. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> but that's okay. So 
we would say that one of the strongest points of this movie was its pace in regards to jump scares. Well, I actually thought the pacing was quite weak mm. in the film. Okay. I actually thought that was one of the another one of the pitfalls of director Bryce mm. McGuire. Mm. So he actually adapted this from a short film that he did. Mm. And I think you can see that in some moments because there are very confusing lapses in the story's direction. So it feels as though there's a theme that he's pursuing mm -hmm. and then strangely he goes in a different direction mm. for an unspecified amount of time yeah. and then there's quite obviously a scene that's going to lead to another jump scare mm -hmm. and what's really bizarre as well about these moments is that these jump scares don't lead to anything actually happening yes it's a bit like it from 2017 where the clown will run up and scare the kids for you know almost the entire film mm -hmm. but not actually do anything to them despite the fact he's killing everyone else you know they, they've got yeah. this main character protection mm -hmm. yeah the only difference is that perhaps it was a bit more substantial mm -hmm. plot wise yeah. and night swim felt overall even though it was enjoyable yeah but quite confusing not confusing but confused yeah I suppose. yeah that's a good <laughs> Chaotic, way of putting it. you know yeah it didn't really know what it was doing in yeah. large portions of the film which is a shame because i think you actually had quite a talented cast. Mm, there was a lot of potential that wasn't really used, I would, I would say. Yeah. It, I, it is also a debut film, though. Yeah, mm. and, and, and I think the film shows flashes of promise for Bryce McGuire because there are moments which are spooky mm -hmm. and he, he just seems to, to fail at developing theme and symbolism. Mm -hmm. And I also think he kind of shot himself in the foot by choosing a premise that isn't exactly frightening. It's, like, mm. it's a haunted pool. It's like, all right, well, just don't go swimming in the pool then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I remember we talked about this also right after the movie, and yeah. I think we marginally disagreed on that because I think it's a lovely modification of an evergreen premise, mm -hmm. which is there is something wrong with this house. Yeah. Only it's in the pool. <laughs> the problem is that if the demon or the entity is only in the pool, yeah. you can do something about it. It seems avoidable. It, it's avoidable. It's avoidable <laughs> and it's also fixable. Yeah. As we can see, spoiler alert, because of the ending of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that really was quite... Yeah. That, that actually was another one of the moments in the film where you really could see that he was just racing to the end and didn't quite have a conclusion that would make sense for a feature length film yes. as opposed to a short mm -hmm. because well yeah we've already said spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode so yeah they just fill in, they, they fill in the pool yes and they say well that's the end of that i think well i mean all of you <laughs> knew it was haunted you could have done this at the beginning yeah i suppose there's also the plot point where the father ray loves the pool because it's helping with his illness mm -hmm. it's so, curing it yeah. exactly so and, and actually that is a theme that bryce mcguire appears to be interested in discussing mm -hmm. at the beginning of the film or investigating but he doesn't he yeah. drops it as an idea yeah everything remains in shallow waters if you will <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has become quite a shallow film. 
yes, okay. So moving on, uh, in your review, you mentioned some, well, we marginally talked about this a little bit, but we could talk a, uh, about this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What I'm referring to are the philosophical questions okay, that yeah. are posed in the film. I found it very interesting that in your review, you talked about the fact that the director does pose a number of philosophical questions, but he doesn't really provide us with any answer. Yeah. My question is, well, if you want to mention some of these philosophical questions that you're referring to for the people who don't know them yet, mm-hmm. but most importantly, why do you think he didn't give us any answers? I also think he presents them quite clumsily mm. to the audience in the form of a pool cleaner mm. who starts talking about how oh, yeah. there's something about the water that fascinates us, but also repels us, mm-hmm. but also pulls us in and the fact that we come out of, we, we came out of the water as we evolved. I don't really know what he was going for. It seems like he was interested in exploring why we are afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like this thalassophobia mm. where you're which is the fear of water. Wide or deep water, I think. Yeah. Um it and you know, I, I can understand that. It, that is a frightening I mean, I don't think know if I have thalassophobia, but I know that mm. when I'm swimming in the ocean, there's always that notion in the back of your head where you think, hmm, what if my foot touches something yeah. out here? I mean, because it has happened where I've found that something's swimming beside me. And of course. Fortunately, it's just a seal, but <laughs> it definitely gives you a fright when it happens. Well, as an Italian, I don't have quite the same experience. I mean, mm. we don't have seals swimming next to us, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, what I can tell you is that this fear is wired into our brain because we evolved from beings that used to live in the water, but now we cannot longer survive in waters. So it's simply our brain telling us, you're not supposed to be in the water. (laughs) Don't just stay in the water for too long. Water is full of danger. Get out. But also it's nice and fresh and I love to swim and all this kind of stuff. So it is definitely a complicated relationship that we have with waters. Mm. And also he seems to be interested in that because the water is also very powerful. Mm -hmm. And so there seems to be this dichotomy of I'm getting a lot of power Mm -hmm. through my relationship with this water. But also there's a sacrifice that I have to provide in order to benefit from this power. Yeah, that I, I also thought was not that groundbreaking no right the idea of having to give something back to a somehow malevolent or anyway neutral entity yeah and he also shoehorns it in at the end of the film so for example there's been horrifying things happening throughout the entire plot Mm -hmm. all both of the kids are terrified Mm, the mother is the mother is very frightened and then she discovers that a child drowned in the pool Many people. And then, mm. as it turns out, many others. Mm. And she finds this mother. But it, it all happens way too late in the story because yeah. it, it's, trying to, it's trying to invoke this immediacy and this escalation of tension, which I think is just too little too late at that mm-hmm. point because he's spent a lot of time trying to explore characters' relationships with each other. But... Yeah. It doesn't really work. And no. yeah, so it, it just it felt a bit muddled. Yes. And also, they talk about sacrifice in relation to like to get the benefits from the water, mm-hmm. you have to 
sacrifice something or someone mm-hmm. but the pool already took the cat nobody yeah. talked about human sacrifice <laughs> yeah that's so, a good point <laughs> yeah that's like mm-hmm. yeah no nobody's counting the cat and that makes me upset yeah i mean also if you're gonna take why are you taking the cat if so, supposedly the yeah. pool only gives only takes so what that it, it can needs. give yeah power mm. and that's kind of a deal yeah but then why did it kill the cat exactly so it's a it's a bit all over the place it yeah. feels like you know what it feels like as if it was improvised a little bit yeah. also if you've seen any horror film before you can probably guess that the cat is going to die within the next yeah. in the first 20 minutes yeah 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 <laughs> absolutely as last week we talked about the babadook i would say that it's safe to state that these two films have some things in common. Yeah. For example, they're both horror films. Mm-hmm. They both talk about families. They mm-hmm. are both concerned with the aspect of domestic space. Mm-hmm. But how would you say they compare to each other? I suppose when you compare any horror film up against The Babadook, it may pale in comparison. Yeah. Simply because I think it is amongst the greatest horror films mm-hmm. of all time mm-hmm. meanwhile night swim probably won't even be the best horror film of this year i didn't think it was very mm. good i mm-hmm. thought it was lacking mostly in the writing actually so for talking about comparisons one of the strongest areas in the babadook is the foundation of a poignant story that mm-hmm. has a lot of emotion whereas in Night Swim the writing does seem to be quite confused and not especially consistent mm-hmm. which leads to weak pacing yeah. and structural issues definitely I would actually say that just inconsistency mm-hmm. is an issue that could be found in the movie as a whole. Yeah. So it also manifests in the screenplay. I suppose there are some interesting camera angles that the director of photography takes in Night Swim. So there's a lot of canted framing from mm-hmm. the pool, so it gives a gives a confused angle, which is quite unnerving, I suppose, because yes. it puts you in the perspective of the person swimming, and you're looking up and you think, oh, yeah. what's that I see above? But... It does wear thin pretty quickly. Mm. Mm. And I also don't think they take advantage of other framing techniques. And the composition ultimately becomes a bit boring. It doesn't seem Mm. to be very inspired. Mm. Yes, I see what you mean. Perhaps another point that is interesting to compare is the one of parents' archetypes. So, okay, yeah. well, <coughs> in the Babadook, true. obviously, there's no father archetype, but as we take parenting as a whole, mm-hmm. like yeah. as, as one thing, <laughs> yeah, we could say that the director at least tries to dive into that aspect, for example. Well, I would say not as much with the mother, because the yeah. mother is consistent throughout the movie, aside mm-hmm. from that really weird monologue that we already talked about, but the father yeah. seems to have some sort of growth mm-hmm. throughout the plot. In the sense that it begins with this feel of detachment between him and his um, son. Yeah. And then throughout the movie, somehow it seems like that is getting better than worse. And then the father sacrifices himself for him, which I suppose it's nice. Yeah. It's I a mean, good it's very nice. But... Resolution. I mean, I suppose you could also draw a pretty direct comparison, which is that parental figure is possessed by demon and tries to mm-hmm. murder their child. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, check yeah exactly <laughs> check in both films mm. but in night swim it's done really really poorly it's shallow it's it, just shallow. yeah because I, I don't do you remember the scene towards the end when the dad ray is chasing his daughter yeah um, with the clear goal to kill her yeah yeah and then he finds her and he's uh, he's like marco <laughs> bolo <laughs> and then he finds her and then he basically shouts boo yeah. And then walks away. And he says, no, I got. He says, stay here. Yeah, stay here and, until the ritual has been finished. Or something. Yeah, it was a bit weird. What? Yeah. It's, I mean, actually, a prevalent mistake that Maguire makes throughout the entire film, which is building up these stakes and this tension and this suspense for a horrifying thing that's about to happen and then. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. And or it happens, but it's not as horrifying. Or it's not as... Uh, it doesn't lead to anything. No, no, it's really... It's... The kid doesn't die. Nothing happens. She just gets locked into a room. Big yeah. fucking deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, big deal. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think he made a couple of mistakes on that front. Mm-hmm. So would you... In which light would it be useful for people to watch this movie? I do think that a lot of people will enjoy it. Because it does have frightening sequences, and it's a fun popcorn movie where mm. you can sit down and you you can predict that a fright's going to happen, mm. and you can enjoy when it's going to happen and how. And so I do think it was worth the price of admission. Mm. A so-called pizza horror. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But I just think that it fails on too many occasions to deliver a fright. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can also enjoy it as a throwback to. 2000s mm-hmm. horror movies even a tribute yeah to or like, that style of filmmaking anyway yeah exactly mm-hmm. haunted house and family moves in and they have yeah. to find the origin of the evil and try to expel it mm-hmm. it's actually i suppose you could say it's also a bit like the conjuring though mm-hmm. the conjuring is also like a 2000s horror movie though done really really well yeah because that was quite a frightening film mm-hmm Indeed. Even though it relies a bit on genre tropes as well. Yeah, but that's okay. It like is, if yeah. you like genre tropes, then you're you're in for a treat. And when they're done well too. Exactly. And I would say it can also be useful to watch it from a point of view of themes, because if you're into, for example, watery antagonists <laughs> yeah. Yeah. aquatic antagonists, I suppose. Cool bound evil. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're if you're into that kind of thing, this can be a nice challenge. Because it's a different kind of plot. It's not a lake, it's not the sea, it's mm. just a pool. So yeah. that can be interesting if you're interested in that kind of horror movies. Well, I think it was a challenge for the director to make it frightening. <laughs> because he doesn't really succeed. It did frighten me a uh, little bit. But it felt like he was trying to make Jaws in your swimming pool. No. It did feel like that a couple of times. I don't know about that. I mean, I suppose every horror movie that has a water component will knowingly or not draw from jaws because yeah. jaws it's like the pillar yeah. of that kind of genre sure. but uh, i wouldn't say it has that many similarities with it aside from the water element i mm-hmm. guess and the water threat mm-hmm. okay this concludes our conversation on night swim we hope you find it interesting if you want to read the whole review you can find it on framerated.co.uk or on our website the monochrome picture show.com. Do give us a rating and a review. 
wherever you're listening to this show. And we will see you next week, where in our next episode, we will talk about the beekeeper. We love to hear from you. So if you have any comments or movies you would like us to cover, reach us on our website, themonochrompictureshow.com or on Instagram at themonopic. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye. See you next time. (laughs) 